We are in John 15 this morning, actually. Two weeks ago, we were in James, and we talked about listening and doing. You know, we listen to the Word of God, we listen to the Holy Spirit, and then we're supposed to do, and that is our part. And that got me thinking about listening and doing, and, and what is that supposed to look like in our lives? So Jesus called this the fruit it's the fruit in our lives. So today we're going to uh, deviate from James for a week and talk about what our purpose is. And our purpose is, and I'll give you a heads up right now, it's producing fruit, plain and simple. What type of fruit, you know, are we? What type of, uh, you know, uh, you know what, by what we produce in our life will show us what we truly believe and what type of person we are in a sense of what type, we, what type of fruit we are. How does it grow? What happens when our fruit doesn't taste so good? Yeah, you hadn't thought about it like that, huh? Somebody bites into you and then they spit it out immediately because it doesn't taste good. You, you ever done that with fruit? Okay, you all know what I'm talking about, right? Well, Jesus says... In uh, John 15, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. In other words, the vine dresser, the one that takes care of it all. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. Well, every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain, in other words, abide, as we used to say, in me, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. And I must remain or abide in the or it must remain or abide in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up thrown in the fire, and burned. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be given to you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourself to be my disciples. So Jesus and the disciples were having dinner one day. At the end of chapter 14, he basically says to them, let's go, let's, let's go out for a walk. And then he starts talking to them, and this is exactly what he says. But he, he, he tells them this as they're walking, as they're moving along. And, uh, you know, we, re, we call our relationship with Jesus our walk with the Lord. You know, we use all these church words that we like to put out there. But these guys, they really, really, truly walked with him. Would have been fascinating to be there, wouldn't it? I mean, if you ever get a chance to go to Israel, do it, because then you, you visualize different things. I can visualize exactly what they were, I mean, not exactly, because I wasn't there, but I can visualize what was happening at this moment. So these country boys who didn't get to the big city a lot are walking around Jerusalem just amazed at Passover, tons of people everywhere. So, you know, they're walking one of these things that they would have seen all over Jerusalem, all over first century Jerusalem, would have been these sculptures, these different things paid for by the Romans, actually, but sculpted by the Jews. Basically, they said, we want some, you know, the Jews went to the Romans and said, we want some national symbols set around. And, and, uh, and the Romans said, sure, you can do that all you want as long as you behave yourself. Because it was all about control, right? 
We don't know anything like that. We don't know anything about that, right? Government trying to control at all, you know. But the Romans are saying you can do whatever you want as long as you're not causing problems. One of the national symbols back then and even today was the vine and the branches. And uh, here's a picture of the first uh, fruit harvest after Israel became a modern nation on May 14th, 1948. This was the first harvest after that. It's an amazing thing. So there was these vines and branches all over Jerusalem and they, they would have seen these in the nation's capital. So they're walking around. You can imagine walking, you know, Jesus walking with these guys and, and one of them pointing out, you know, one of them pointing out different sculptures and Jesus talking about it. Or maybe, maybe Jesus was thinking about Psalms 80 where Israel is referred to as the vine. Uh, you know, it, it says in Psalms 80, verse 8, you brought a vine out of Egypt. You brought us out of 400 years of captivity, and that root stock was still healthy. And, and God dug down and planted that root stock, and it started producing. It started coming up, and the psalmist says that he drove out all the other nations, and he prepared the ground, and he filled the land. The psalmist continues and says that even though God planted the vine, it became unhealthy again. Imagine that. God doing a work, and then all of a sudden we're going along, and all of a sudden we start sinning again, and we become unhealthy. I know you can't imagine that. It's happened in my life once or twice. You know, we've all been there. We all go through these ups and downs where, where God does a great thing and also we become unhealthy again. And it says he cries out in verse uh, 17 uh, of Psalms 80. It says, let your hand rest on the man at your right hand. The son of man you have raised up for yourself. Then we will not turn away from you. Revive us and we will call on your name. And they would sing these songs. And yet Jesus would walk right through Jerusalem, right through their city, and most of them just missed it. Well, with the disciples, Jesus would have walked down. It could have gone two different ways. There was a bridge from the temple that basically had the, the high temple, and then you had the Kidron Valley that would go down. And you could either go out one of the gates and walk down and then come up the Mount of Olives, or you could take a bridge that was built all the way across here. I don't know. I've seen this valley. It's a big valley. I don't know how they did that bridge back then. It would have been an amazing thing to see. But, uh, you know, here's even um, one, of the, one of the olive trees that's about 2,000 years old that would have been there during the time of Christ, they think. They can't date it exactly because they would have to cut it down to date it exactly, and they don't want to do that, you know, as you could imagine. But here they're walking through the Kidron Valley and between the temple and the Mount of Olives, and they were headed to Gethsemane, uh, you know, where the olive presses were. But before they got there, they would have went through this valley, and it would have been very dark down there. They would have had to have torches to kind of light the way. And I could imagine Jesus just going, hey, guys, come over here. I want you to see this. I want you to hear this. Bring one of those torches over here because I want to show you something. And they would have probably got down on his knees or whatever, and the only way to really look at it, hey, guys, look at this. And grown men are, are looking at what Jesus is showing them. And he says this, you see this? This is you. And this is me. I am the vine. 
You are the branches. This is you, and this is me, okay? And they would have been like, yeah, okay, okay, I, I got it, I got it. Okay, can we, can we keep, I mean, this is, this is getting long, Jesus. This is a long walk. This is, we got to walk back up that valley. But then he really starts to teach them. This is a vine, guys. And they're like, well, duh, we're from Galilee. We know what a vine is. But he says, I am the true vine. And what does that make you, guys? Starts with a B. The branch. I'm the vine. You are the branch. I'm the true vine. And my father is the gardener, the vine dresser, the one that takes care of everything. Now, I don't, don't know if you've ever studied vines and branches. Have you ever talked to a vine, uh, you know, a vine dresser, uh, the person that takes care of the vineyard and so forth? But, you know, me being a geeky nerd that I am, I have. And, you know, before you, you talk about the vines and the branches, because we all want to see the vines and the branches and the fruit that makes the wine or the fruit that makes the, you know, the grape that we put on our table and all those things, you've got to first talk about soil. Because the first thing the vine dresser will do, go out there and digs into the soil and, and see what's in there. And what a good farmer does is, is he looks at it and he figures out, is there magnesium? Is there calcium? Is there the things in there that are, that are going to make it grow? And if there's not, they put it in there. They clear out all the weeds and they make sure there's proper drainage and they organize the vineyard. Put a certain amount of space in between the plants where the vines are going to go. And then in modern days, and age, you know, modern days, they, they run miles of pipes to water it correctly. And when it starts to grow up, they send these, you know, off of the root stock and they begin the planting and it starts growing up and, and they'll graft in new branches into the old roots and stuff. It's kind of interesting how the grafting takes place, but to get the, really, the growth that you really want, it takes about seven years for the vine to produce great fruit, great wine. Now, if you study King David at all, you understand the seven years and the significance there. God said, David, you're going to be king. And how long did it take before David became king? Seven years. Uh, maybe we'll go back to study for a sandal sometime. It's a great book. But before seven years, guess what? These vines, they just look good. You go out there and the fruit's there. and it, it, It's beautiful, but it's not in the beauty. The issue is not the beauty. What is the goal of the vineyard? I give you a hint. Vine, branches, and it starts with an F. Fruit. That's the goal of the vineyard. Jesus says, I am the vine and my father is the gardener. I am, he says. I am. There's many times in the book of John he just says, I am. And this one, he says, I am the vine. I am means that I exist. I am the vine. I am singular, the vine. Not I will become the vine. Not I was the vine. I am the vine. The true vine. And the word for true in the Greek is um, alathenos. It means the opposite of counterfeit. The opposite of insincere. The opposite of, of all those things that are, that are not of God. I am the true. I, I am the alathenos. 
the opposite of, you know, flattery, anything that's not real, out of Thanos, this is what I am. I am real. I am the real vine, and my father is the gardener's. And you guys, you're the branches, and I want you to bear something called fruit. It's very important. Okay, Lord, well, then what is fruit? Well, fortunately, we have the Bible, so we don't have to figure it out all on our own, you know. In fact, there's so much talks about in the Bible about fruit, I could just stop on this one subject and preach the rest of the year on fruit. How would you like that? Somebody shakes their head yes, and other people just kind of like snicker like, no, don't. Please don't do that, Alan. I'm only going to give you a little taste of what the word fruit means, and, and the Lord will have to teach you some other meanings along the way. In Deuteronomy, Moses makes it very clear, not just through one verse, but the whole book, Moses makes it very clear that children are our what? Fruit. Our kids are our fruit. Some of our fruit are, you know, is good tasting. Some of our fruit, not so much. You know what I'm saying? So if you came by my house and, or if I came by your house and I pointed out the, uh, you know, your kids or the picture of your kids and said, congratulations, this is your fruit, you're like, you're kidding. And I'm like, no, no, look at that branch. You're the, you know. Every one of us is a fruit of someone else's branch. You are the answer to somebody's prayer. You're a mama's little pumpkin, you know. Okay, I thought that'd get a little bit of a laugh. They just love you to death unless you act like a gourd. You know, I'm just, right now it's pumpkin planting season. If you didn't know that, you plan it now for October, okay? So, side note there, I don't know why. But when was the last time you saw a branch yelling at the fruit? See, the maddening thing about the farmer is that he comes and he tastes the fruit toward the end of the season, and the fruit doesn't taste all that sweet. He starts to put nutrients into the vine to get it passed to the branch all the way to the fruit. The goal of the vine, the goal of the branch, is to produce good fruit. So one fruit are your children. My two boys are the fruit of my house. We have a natural piece of fruit, and we have a grafted-in piece of fruit. You get a lot of Alan and Lisa passed into these, these fruit, these kids. It's been interesting, to say the least. A lot of Lisa put into the kids. Everyone loves that. Hopefully, it'll overtake the Alan part, you know, as the time goes on. That's just one example. So let me give you another. Hosea chapter 14. The Lord speaks to Israel and says, you know what, guys? You've really rebelled against me. But I'm not mad at you anymore. I have forgiven you. I'm going to restore you, and I want you to repent. And he says in Hosea 14, as you repent, your fruit is found in me. It's the same as John the Baptist. John the Baptist comes along and says the same thing, a little harsher, you know, kind of like James, kind of straight to the point. Hosea is very nice about it. John the Baptist, not so much. He's in your face. 
You know, he, you're, you're back 10 rows from John the Baptist and he just nails you. You think you're far enough away, but he just, with the help of the Holy Spirit, just, just hits you right away. And John the Baptist tells you, repent, bear fruit in keeping with repentance. Repentance is actually a fruit. Something that happens between, you know, between me and Jesus as, as, I re, you know, as I repent and something occurs there. There's no excuses, no backtracking. You know, it is, I am sorry. And there's no bitterness, especially when it occurs right away. There's no pruning the next season when we ask for forgiveness early. And John the Baptist says, bear fruit in keeping with repentance. And everyone would kind of shrink back. But they didn't run away. You know why? Because they knew it was right and truthful. Hebrews 13 says, Though Jesus, therefore, or through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise. Our lips are our praise. Did you know that? We should be offering that sacrifice of praise, the fruit of our lips that confesses his name, and do not forget to do good and to share with others, for with such sacrifice, God is pleased. I love it when my kids talk to each other, when they're sharing with each other, when they're laughing with each other. I'm pleased with that. When am I not pleased? When they're irritating the heck out of each other. You know what I'm saying? Just nitpicking, and you're just like, guys, just cut it out. Separate. Don't even, don't even play right now because you can't get along. That, that doesn't please the Father. When we do that amongst church members, when we do that amongst church, different churches, when we do that amongst Christians, God's not pleased at all. At all. He's pleased when we're getting along and enjoying and worshiping him. Do not forget to do good and share with others. For such sacrifices, God is pleased. Obey your teachers and submit to their authority. They keep watch over you as men who must give an account. I don't like that. I'm accountable for you. That doesn't always make me feel great. Sometimes it's wonderful. Sometimes it's like, man, that, that's so hard. And God's like, yeah, but you're responsible. Only them so that they so that, obey them so that their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that would be no advantage to you. Now, the things that come out of our mouths are fruit, especially when I talk about God and how I use his name in everyday conversation. I just went to a graduation um, down at Point Loma Nazarene University, and I was struck by this one thing. I never heard so much cussing in my life on a Christian university grounds. As people who were coming to the university to watch graduates and something would happen, somebody, oh, and you're just like, I'm like, do you not realize where you're at? I mean, not that it's a holy temple or anything like that, but I mean, have some respect, you know? The things that we say are important. The things that come out of our mouth, are we worshiping God or not? You know, it's interesting. I always, I always wait to tell people what I do. I get, meet new people and you start talking to them, strike up a conversation. I always wait to tell them what I do because as soon as I say I'm a pastor, what do they do? Oh, best behavior. Oh, let me straighten up, you know. 
So it was always kind of fun to, to wait. And once we, my wife and I, um, we were coming back from Hawaii, and we had uh, tickets that were free, uh, which was really nice. But we got separated on the plane, so we sat in two different uh, spots. And I was talking to this young lady that that worked there with the dolphins at one of the um, one of the uh, big hotels. They have a dolphin thing there, and and stuff. And we talked for a long time, and she finally said, "Well, what do you do?" And I told her I was a pastor, and she looked at me. And she goes, "You don't look like a pastor." You don't sound like a pastor. Now, she didn't mean that in a bad way, like I'm cussing up a storm the whole flight, you know. But she just, you know, she had this picture in her head of this is what a pastor should be. So I, I like to hold off on, on telling people um, because, you know, the, what's interesting is uh, oftentimes they don't want to offend me, but they forget about offending God. It's like I'm not the one that takes offense. God's the one that takes offense. The fruit of our lips are an offering to God, or they offend God, one or the other. The fruit of my lips is not only when I'm, when I'm praying to God and think that he's listening. It's all the time. Now, when you get close to the fruit, what do you do? You taste it. You see, oh man, strawberries are out right now. It's nice when you get a nice strawberry, right? Oh, you just taste it. Now what happens if you get one that's too green? Ugh, throw it away, right? This is why we worship. It's the fruit of our lips. It should be pleasing to God. Galatians 5.22 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control against such things there is no law no one would crucify somebody who acts like this right then paul goes on to say those who belong to christ jesus have crucified the sinful natures with its passions and desires we have this war going on within us earthly passions earthly desires godly passions godly desires which fruit is winning which fruit tastes better it's a good question that's what james is starting to say when he's saying listening and doing don't just listen don't just grow and enjoy the ground and never produce any fruit never produce anything that's that's wonderful for this world that's that's good tasting i mean if we just sit there and grow and do nothing with it what good are we Oh, it's a nice looking bush. It's a nice looking tree. Oh, that one that never bears any fruit, but you know, we keep it around for shade. Uh, it's just no good. All these guys come along and say, no, you need to repent and you need to start producing fruit. Paul comes along and he says to the Galatians, do you know what the fruit of the Spirit is? All that stuff that you saw in Jesus, that is the fruit of the Spirit, the personality of Jesus. You know what falls off and rots to the ground? The passions and desires of the flesh. The fleshly things is what gets thrown away. And the Lord comes through and throws it away and he trims back those, those things that aren't producing fruit. And our reaction is, I like that branch. That was a very nice branch. And, you know, God's over there with a hatchet going, whack, whack. 
You're like, hey, hey, stop messing with my, I like that. And God's going, but it's not producing any fruit. That part's getting thrown away. The Lord wants us producing fruit. And if we're not going to produce it, he's going to deal with it. He's going to chop off a few things. He's going, to, he's, going to, he's going to get us back to a position where we can produce fruit. And all of a sudden that branch is gone. We're like, well, how am I going to produce fruit now? The Lord says, well, I'm going to get something growing. Don't worry about it. And we look at our fruit and we go, I like it. It's all dark and red. You know, some of us, uh, we're, we're like, uh, you know, I want to produce fruit exactly like this. And God goes, but that's not your type of fruit. You shouldn't be doing that. We're like, but I like the fruit that they're producing over there. And God goes, yeah, but that's not what I want you to do. I want you to produce these grapes. You need to produce table grapes. You're not the wine grape. You're the table grape. You know what I'm saying? What type of fruit are you producing? Are you producing what God wants you to produce or not? We can't look at other Christians and say, I want to be just like that. I want to have that ministry. The things that we produce are the things that God needs for this world. And our goal in this life is to be pleasing to our Lord, to glorify Him. So out of, you know, out of curiosity, what is the goal of the vineyard? To produce what? Fruit. I've said it enough, right? Jesus says in Matthew 7, 16, And here is where he says that we're free to evaluate other people's fruit. But Pastor Allen, that, that would be judging. And as Christians, we don't judge. Well, look at what he says. Matthew 7, 16. By their fruit, you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Jesus says we're free to evaluate the fruit in other people's lives. So let's balance that with some scripture, other scripture. Jesus also says, judge not lest you be judged, okay? We don't judge between heaven and hell. We've talked about that over a few weeks, you know, a few times over the last few weeks. We don't judge heaven or hell. I don't get to decide whether Bob over here, you know, Bob Brooks. I'm not going to talk about the other Bob. Bob Brooks. I don't decide whether Bob goes to heaven or hell. That's God's decision. But I do get to decide, man, is that person's life producing fruit or not? You get to decide whether my life is producing good fruit or bad fruit. So to get away from this, you know, get around this whole judging thing, just call yourself a, a fruit inspector, okay? I'm just throwing that out there. 
But the Lord wants us to have healthy fruit. So we, what, what do we do? We have to inspect the fruit. And you actually, you know, this inspection begins the, you know, way before, uh, before the fruit starts to grow. You inspect the soil, then you inspect the vine. In fact, uh, if you go by some vineyards up in the Bay Area, they don't really do it much out here, but you go by the vineyards in the Bay Area, you will see rose bushes at the very end of each row. Do you know why that is? The bugs will attach the rose bushes, attack the rose bushes first or more susceptible. And if the rose bushes aren't growing really well, the, the, the vine dresser knows that something is up and he can address it before it affects the fruit. Little piece of trivia there. You can look at it and go, man, that, that's kind of moldy there. We need to deal with that now before it costs more money. They're bugs. And we say, yeah, we've noticed some bugs in our life, and they're really bugging me. And the Lord comes through, and he deals with the bugs. And we go, hey, Lord, but, but there was a couple of branches I liked there. And he goes, oh, no, 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 no. We got to get rid of those. Those are bad bugs on that branch. Well, Lord, what about these bugs? And he goes, oh, no, no, no. Those are good bugs. You want those bugs around. But, but Lord, they, so, they bug me. You ever had somebody bug you? And the Lord keeps them in your life? Why, Lord? That's how we feel. We don't say that out loud. Maybe behind closed doors to our spouse or, or to a friend. But, they, but the Lord's sitting there going, but that's going to help you. You mean, Lord, there are going to be things that bug me, that help me produce fruit that is good? That's not fair. They bite. I don't like that, Lord. But see, one thing we forget is we are branches. We don't invent the process. We don't grow and produce. I mean, we just grow and we just produce either good fruit or mediocre fruit or awful fruit. What are you producing? Now, when a person says that they represent Christ and the world bites into them and it's nasty, what does that tell the world? Wow, not a good thing. Let's go back to the branches thing. We're just branches that produce the fruit. And we are grafted into the vine. Did you know you're Jews? Did you know that? Shake your head yes or no. Did you know you're all grafted into the Jewish nation? God said that he was going to take the non-Jewish, the Gentiles, and graft them into his nation. Now, I'm not going to go out there and claim Jewish heritage, okay? I mean, you know, we can only take it so far, but we're grafted in. We're grafted into Jesus. We're, we're, do you know what I mean by grafted? It's where they cut a slit in the branch, and they take another branch, and they stuff it in there, kind of like Grayson with our family. They kind of cut a little edge and they took Grayson and they stuffed him in there and now he's a part of our family and growing it. Okay, I know it's kind of a weird analogy, but that's exactly what happened. And that's what God is doing for us into the Jewish nation. He carefully grafts what is needed. Now, vine can last for 20 to 30 years, but the branches, they come and go. Do you go by, you drive by the branches out there when they, the, the vines and stuff, when they cut them all down? Yes, no, follow me. Do you ever drive out in the country where they're, and all of a sudden you're like, 
they were all leafy green and everything was going great, but then they cut off the grapes and they did the harvest and all of a sudden, it's down to this like stump. And guess what? Next year, what grows? More branches come out of that, 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 uh, that stump. <coughs> Jesus said, if you abide in me and my words and my nutrients, everything abides in you and the fruit is unbelievable. And then when you ask for the vine dresser for, for something, what does he do? He takes care of you. And our fruit blossoms to a point when we are glad that the, there's wires up there to help us hold up our, our branches as that fruit starts doing, you know, producing. Maybe people told you you would never make a good Christian. But now God says, look at you. People have told you maybe you're ignorant or selfish or awful, but now you're thriving and you feel like going to them going, <laughs> yeah. But no, we don't do that. Why? Because that's when we get pruned. That's when God says, that's not of me. See, our prayers become important when we're producing fruit. And we pray that the fruit is, is, is good. We pray that, that the things that we do in this world make a difference. And this is when you're, you're abiding or dwelling or resting in the Lord. You know, and it, we're supposed to go out there today and make the vineyard, make the, the vine dresser look good. Because what we learn and we put that into society. And when we start hanging around other fruit-bearing Christians... Well, how do I know who's a fruit-bearing Christian? Well, we judge them. Oh, I'm sorry, we're a vine inspector. We just look at them. We start seeing, are they producing good fruit? Well, if they are, that's who you want to be around because you learn from that. Don't look for, for perfect fruit. Only Jesus is the perfect fruit. But we taste the fruit and see if it's good. And when we see good fruit, we need to harvest it. And the goal of the vineyard is to produce that fruit. And this is why we don't call them, you know, we don't call them apple blossom trees. We call them apple trees. We don't stop at the blossom. It's great when, when the blossoms come out in the valley, right? You know, the blossom trail, you can go drive around, take wonderful pictures of all these, you know, millions of trees that are out here that just look great. But if that was the end of it, what good would it do for us? No. It produces the fruit. Out of the blossom comes the fruit itself. And eventually it's plucked and put into the stores, right? And we go and buy it and we eat it because it's good. We get the first fruits of this area. That's what God is saying. You guys are my first fruits. Make sure you taste good. Jesus came and planted himself in our soil. And we are grafted into him, and we should be producing fruit. We should be listening and doing, as James says. You know, a lot of times I've been doing that, uh, the past several weeks I've been trying that with Brandon a little bit. You know, because he's nine or ten, ten, okay. You know, he listens all the time, right? Well, yeah, he listens pretty well. Does he do all the time? No. Why? Because he's 10 years old. And it's irritating to me, right? As dad. I'm like, son, look, you got the listening part down, but you got to do the doing part. Listening and doing. And God goes, 
Alan, are you listening to yourself? You got the listening part down. What are you doing? Every one of us should be bearing fruit and doing because it pleases our Father. And like every season, as we produce more and more fruit, David writes, Blessed is the man who sits and studies the Scripture because he is like a tree planted next to the river that bears fruit in and out of season. See, he doesn't just stop there and says, blessed is the man who studies the scripture. Woo! I mean, that is good. But he's like a tree planted next to the water that bears fruit in and out of season. Our goal for our church is to be a healthy vineyard. A healthy vineyard that's connected to the vine. Because he is the vine, we are the branches, and we should produce fruit. So go forth and bear fruit with Jesus' help. Amen? Well, why don't you stand, and they'll come up and let us out with one last song as we worship the Lord. Uh, here's one last song. Let's pray. Lord, so, so often we come before you, and we want to grow, and we want to uh, mature. We want to do all those things. Yet you also call on us to bear fruit. You also call on us to produce in this life. I pray, Lord, that we become a church that is a fruit-bearing church. Individuals that come together for a common purpose to glorify you. That that be our goal for our church and the churches in this area. That you would be glorified, Lord. You glorified. Now the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine down upon you. May he watch over you. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen.